Holy God, in the beauty of this space and in the quiet of these moments, we pray that your Holy Spirit would descend upon us and quiet in us all of those voices that seek to distract us from being fully present to you and to your word to us today. We pray that your spirit would open our ears and our minds and our hearts so that we might hear these ancient words in new and fresh ways. And then as we hear these words read and proclaimed, we pray that your spirit would also help us to believe them and in believing them that we might go forth from this place filled with courage and with love to live more faithfully as disciples of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. Our scripture lesson today comes from the book of 2 Kings, chapter 6, beginning at verse 8. Listen now for the word of God. Once, when the king of Aram was at war with Israel, he took counsel with his officers. He said, at such and such a place shall be my camp. But the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, take care not to pass this place because the Arameans are going down there. The king of Israel sent word to the place of which the man of God spoke. More than once or twice he warned such a place so that it was on the alert. The mind of the king of Aram was greatly perturbed because of this. He called his officers and said to them, Now tell me, who among us sides with the king of Israel? Then one of his officers said, No one, my lord king. It is Elisha the prophet in Israel, who tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedchamber. He said, go and find where he is. I will send and seize him. He was told, he is in Dothan. So he sent horses and chariots there and a great army. They came by night and surrounded the city. When an attendant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. His servant said, Alas, master, what shall we do? He replied, Do not be afraid, for there are more with us than there are with them. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the servant, and he saw. The mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. When the Arameans came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Strike this people, please, with blindness. So he struck them with blindness, as Elisha had asked. Elisha said to them, This is not the way, and this is not the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. And he led them to Samaria. As soon as they entered Samaria, Elisha said, O Lord, open the eyes of these men so that they may see. The Lord opened their eyes, and they saw that they were inside Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, Father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? He answered, No. Did you capture with your sword and your bow those whom you want to kill? Set food and water before them, so that they may eat and drink, and let them go to their master. So he prepared for them a great feast. After they ate and drank, he sent them on their way, and they went to their master. And the Arameans no longer came, raiding into the land of Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? 
Gracious and holy God, I pray now that you would pour your Holy Spirit through me, that these words might truly become your living word to your people. And I pray that you would open up each of our hearts and minds that we might receive that word exactly in the place that we need to hear it. For we pray this in the strong name of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. The king of Aram was furious. Things were just not going his way. And that doesn't usually sit very well with kings, or with us, but especially with kings. I mean, after all, that's, that's what it means to be king. You get to have whatever you want, right? And what the king of Aram wanted was the head of the king of Israel. And he kept sending his army down into Israelite territory trying to catch them off guard. But each time he did, it was as if they knew that they were coming and were ready for them. And so the king had not been able to get what he wanted. And that was just intolerable. For how dare anyone stand in his way of his right to expand his territory and increase his bank accounts and climb up a few rungs on the social ladder of the Middle Eastern Monarch Association. So the king of Aram became rather upset. And throughout history, when kings or queens become upset, heads usually start to roll. That's just about the only way the powers of this world know how to get what they want. Fight, kill, destroy, off with their heads. And it's a dog-eat-dog world after all. If you're going to get what you want in life, if you're going to get ahead, if you're going to survive, well, you've just got to bring out the sword. That's just reality, isn't it? And the king of Aram was a realist. And he wanted the head of the king of Israel. And if he couldn't have his head, well, he was going to have somebody else's. After all, when things are not going our way, we usually need someone else to blame, don't we? And surely the king thought there must be a spy among his people tipping off the Israelites, a crime deserving death. But then one of his officers said to him, none of us is a spy, my king. It is the prophet Elisha who keeps telling the king of Israel all the secret plans that you make even in your own bedroom. Well, that was just too much for the king to take. And so he immediately cried out, off with his head. Well, I know it's not in the text, but I'm sure he said. Now, Elisha was the former servant and successor of the great prophet Elijah. He lived in the 9th century BC in the northern kingdom of Israel and was himself a mighty prophet of the Lord. Elisha embodied the power and the judgment and the compassion of God for all people. The name Elisha means, my God is salvation. And in many ways, Elisha foreshadowed and prepared the way for the one who was to come, who would bring salvation to the whole world. And throughout the ministry of Elisha, we catch glimpses of this 
king who was to come, who came not to destroy his enemies, but to offer them grace and new life and to show us a different way. Now, Elisha lived in the town of Dothan, which was about 10 miles outside the capital city of Samaria. And when the king of Aram learned where he was, he sent a great force down to get him. Now, despite the fact that Elisha had successfully discerned their secret plans time after time, somehow they thought they could sneak up on him under the cover of night because surely supernatural vision doesn't work in the dark. Some people just never learn. Of course, we're not really all that different, are we? We keep trying to get what we want out of life and out of our relationships and even out of God by trying the same things again and again, even when it's clearly not working. Someone once said that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and yet expecting different results. Rarely does it occur to us that if our lives are not as we had hoped, that perhaps we are looking at life the wrong way. Perhaps we are chasing after the wrong things. Perhaps the vision of reality that has been painted for us in such vivid, seductive colors by the world around us, and which most of us have bought into, is a lie. And perhaps, like those Aramean soldiers, we too are stumbling around in the dark, relentlessly stalking our elusive prey, sure that this next catch will satisfy us unaware that we have terribly misjudged reality after all. Well, the Aramean soldiers surrounded the village of Elisha, thinking that they had him exactly where they wanted him. And when the servant of Elisha woke up early that morning and went outside, he discovered the most frightening scene. Aramean horses and chariots and soldiers all around ready to attack. And he was terrified. So he raced back inside and shouted to Elisha, There's an army outside, come to get us, what are we going to do? But Elisha remained completely calm. And with a peace that surpasses all understanding. He said to his servant those great words of scripture, do not be afraid, for there are more on our side than there are on theirs. Now, Elisha's servant had never exactly excelled at math in school, but surely his arithmetic wasn't that bad. So he risked another peek outside just to double check his addition and his sanity. 20, 40, 60, 80, 100. Then he looked back inside. One, two. They were in much bigger trouble than he had feared. 
For not only were they hopelessly outnumbered, but his master had now lost his mind. Couldn't he see what was so obvious? Clearly, Elisha had lost his grip on reality. But you see, Elisha lived according to a different reality than his servant or the soldiers outside, and he knew something that they did not. He knew that they were all surrounded by the armies of the living God. And therefore, Elisha could say with the psalmist, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? You see, Elisha knew that with God, things are not always as they might appear. And so Elisha was not frightened of the Aramean army because he knew that God was with him, and Elisha trusted in the power of the Lord. Truth is, only those who put their full trust in God can ever truly live without fear. Whenever we put our ultimate trust in other things like our money or our military or our politicians or our economy or our relationships or our guns, well, we have very good reason to be afraid because none of those things can save us. None of them can even truly satisfy us. And putting our trust in things like that is, is, is like building a house on sinking sand. And that will always leave us crippled by fear and anxiety and unhappiness. Fortunately, Elijah's trust was in the Lord, and therefore he was not afraid of the Aramaeans. But in order to alleviate the fears of his poor, terrified servant, Elisha did something that goes against everything that our world claims to be true. He closed his eyes to the false reality around him and he prayed to a God that he could not see or touch. And he prayed that God would open up the eyes of his servant that he might see things as they truly were, that he might receive a holy vision of reality as it is from the perspective of heaven from which all reality comes. And when Elisha looked around, he beheld the most dazzling and unbelievable sight. A great heavenly host of flaming horses and chariots surrounding them all, putting that pitiful Aramean army to shame. But when that Aramean army attacked, rather than allowing that heavenly army to destroy them, Elisha prayed to God that, that he would strike all the soldiers with blindness. And then Elisha led those soldiers right into the capital city of Samaria, where he prayed once again that God would open up their eyes. And when the, the Aramean soldiers realized where they were, well, they knew that they were doomed. The tables had now turned, and it was now they who were surrounded by their enemies. And when the king of Israel saw them, 
he was beside himself with glee. I mean, Elisha had just handed over his enemy to him on a silver platter. This would be the easiest victory he'd ever had and the most delicious. After all, those Aramaeans had been trying to kill him for some time now, and now it was payback time, and it would be a bloody feast fit for a king. And the king of Israel began salivating as he prepared to shout out, off with their heads. And so the king asked Elisha if they could slaughter the Aramaeans. After all, what else would you do to your enemies? It's kill or be killed. An eye for an eye. Get them before they get you. That's the only reality that this world understands. But Elisha lived according to God's reality. So he said, no, you shall not kill them, though there will still be a feast. However, it shall not be a feast of death, but a feast of life. And Elisha commanded them to bring food and drink and offer them to the Aramaeans and then let them go back to their homes. And so the Israelites prepared a great feast for the Aramean army. And then enemy sat at table with enemy and ate together in peace. And for just a brief moment, in the bloody, bloody history of Palestine, it was on earth as it is in heaven. And when the feasting was over, the Aramean soldiers got up and returned to their homes and they no longer came raiding into the land of Israel. It didn't have to end that way, you know. Things could have turned out very differently. But like the Savior who was to come, Elisha refused to use the power and the resources available to him according to the ways of our world, where power is used for self-serving and controlling and manipulating and deceiving and destroying and getting back at those who hurt you. Now instead, Elisha used his power and his influence to bring peace and healing and reconciliation between enemies. Rather than reacting out of fear or hate or revenge, Elisha responded with grace. Why? Because his trust was in the Lord, and Elisha viewed the world according to God's heavenly reality, where what we call enemy, God calls neighbor. You know, there was a time when we were the enemies of God, separated from heaven by our pride and our sin. And when God sent his only son to prepare a table before us and to show us a different way, we shouted, off with his head. But the cross could not defeat him and the tomb could not contain him. 
And when Jesus Christ rose from the dead, he shattered all the world's claims to reality and truth. Now it is Jesus Christ alone who determines what is real and what is true. And when we gather at his table, oh, it may just appear to be ordinary bread and ordinary juice, but as Elisha understood so well with God, things are not always as they might appear. For when we eat and drink together at this table, we are encountered by the risen Christ himself, who by the power of the Holy Spirit unites us with one another and with all the saints who have gone before us, that great cloud of witnesses who are cheering us on. And as Jesus shares with us his life-giving power, he also offers us his own holy vision of reality which calls us to be different from the world around us and to respond not with hate or with fear or with revenge, but with grace and with mercy and with peace. It's called the kingdom of heaven. And it is right here among us for those who have eyes to see. Amen.